we may have just witnessed an all-time highlight in Mountaineer football lore. After a 30-10 victory in Charlotte over UNC in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, head coach Neil Brown was doused in mayonnaise. He summed up his feelings with a succinct quote, I feel cold, I feel wet, but I feel like a winner. And so the final chapter in a unique season was written. The team picked to finish last in the Big 12 has won nine times and is the champion of the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We're here to react to that game and to look ahead to the future, which certainly does look bright for the old Golden Blue. It's another postgame edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Nick Farrell here alongside Golden Blue Nation digital reporter Kevin Redfern. West Virginia Kevin had to have been the favorite in this game, right? And I think it played out the way that we thought it would have. So many players were unavailable for the Tar Heels, especially on offense. They just didn't have the firepower to keep up with the Mountaineers. But you got to give the guys in old Golden Blue credit. They earned this win by putting together a complete three-phase performance. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Neil Brown's kind of a meat and cheese guy, he said, but maybe his condiment game will improve <laughs> after this one, some positive mental associations. But, I mean, they were right from the start, uh, it was clear who wanted this one more, not just the opening touchdown on the first play from scrimmage from WVU, which I'm sure we'll dive into in a second, but then on defense, I don't know if you remember, Nick, but that first play from scrimmage for North Carolina, there were about five blue hats on the ball as soon as the first pass was completed. The defense showed out. They were ready to play. Probably one of the best performances we've seen all year from the defense. It, it was clear from the start who wanted it more. Yeah, absolutely so. That's what Coach Brown says, right? It's about energy and the excitement that you bring to these bowl games. And there was no question that West Virginia brought that. Okay, so if we're looking at turning points, which is what we do on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, you just mentioned it. The first snap of the game was the first touchdown of the game. Garrett Green hitting Traylon Ray for a 75-yard touchdown strike on the very first play from scrimmage. If that's not a turning point, I'm not sure what is. But if you don't love an opening play, touchdown is your turning point. For me, Kevin, I thought that the response after UNC's lone touchdown in the game late in the second quarter, which made it 14-10 with under 30 seconds to go, I thought that West Virginia's offensive response there was critical. So many times this season we've seen West Virginia, led by quarterback Garrett Green, be really terrific in that two-minute offense. Well, that was 30-second offense, 27-second offense to be exact, right? You get the free play on a deep strike to Hudson Clement as the Tar Heels jumped offside, put a few more snaps together, and boom, you're in field goal range. You kick a field goal, and you go up seven instead of four heading into the locker room when UNC is going to get the ball out of halftime, right? And West Virginia goes on to score 16 unanswered points to win the game after that lone UNC touchdown late in the second quarter. Mountaineers never trailed. They never faltered late. And so if, 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 if there was ever a turning point, it was that moment when the tide maybe was starting to shift. West Virginia completely swatted it down and said, nope, this is our game. Talk about a case of knowing your guys and knowing your team. We got an insight from Coach Brown a couple weeks ago that going back to the TCU game, there's a two-minute drill Garrett Green put together right before halftime that he made a mental note of going forward now. If there's any time on the clock and if, we have, or if they have any timeouts, they're going to try to put points on the board. I mean, a lot of other teams in the country, less than 30 seconds, not all of your timeouts, they're running the ball once, seeing if they can get a chunk play, and if they don't, they'll take that lead into halftime happily. In this case, 
Neil Brown knows what he's got in Garrett Green and knows that he brings two different dimensions to this offense. And they said go for it. And I think that was the right decision, obviously. And like you said, a major turning point. Green, West Virginia's dynamic dual-threat quarterback, was the game MVP in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl with more than 300 yards of total offense and that passing touchdown to Traylon Ray. Ray and Clement combined for 180 receiving yards on eight grabs. And there is something to clarify on Green, right? Uh, the, the stats they left out. A, a reception by was it Cole Taylor? Is that is that right? The, I believe they initially left out the Cole Taylor catch and run with the hurdle. Oh, some serious controversy. Right, here. right. No, <laughs> but if you look at ESPN now, it's updated. But depending on where you look at, it, you're looking for that 228 yard passing total from Garrett Green. Right. Um, another instance where he's putting up over or hovering around 300 all-purpose yards a game. I think there's been something like four times all year where he's thrown for over 200 and rushed for over right. 100. He, he had a streak of back-to-back -back games with 200 and 100. I mean, if that doesn't tell you about one of the most electrifying players in college football and uh, one of the most electrifying returning college football players for 2024, I mean, you're going to have to keep an eye out for this guy next year. Man, I can't remember if it was PFF or just some other website, uh, maybe it was like a Sports Illustrated or yeah. The Athletic that ranked all of the Power 5 mm -hmm. quarterbacks at the beginning of the year, and Garrett was dead last, mm -hmm. right? And if you paid any attention to West Virginia over the last several years, you just knew that that wasn't going to be the case, right? Like, he may not be the perfect quarterback, but West Virginia is winning games with a dual-threat QB even when Garrett is far from perfect. And I mean, yeah, he was good enough to be the game MVP tonight, but far from perfect was hovering around 50% completions, right? He didn't have the rushing output that he has had the last couple of games. But as Coach Brown said afterward, when Green was given the game MVP trophy, when this guy's on the field, we got a chance to win. It doesn't matter what else is happening. It doesn't matter who we line up against. When Garrett Green is our quarterback, we've got a chance to win. I think that was on display again today and is a reason why he's not the worst quarterback in the Power <laughs> Five, as, as maybe as some website somewhere along the line uh, pegged him at the beginning of the season. Uh, but we mentioned a three-phase performance, right? It wasn't just Garrett. Uh, have to give a nod to the defense, right? Uh, to me, Kevin, the defensive performance was even more impactful in the result than Garrett Green's performance at quarterback. Seven sacks, a season high for WVU, and 11 total tackles for loss. That's the most in any game against an FBS opponent this season. I'm going to pat myself on the back very loudly here. On Mountaineer game day before the game, Kevin, I said that if West Virginia was going to win this game, it would help to have good pressure on Connor Harrell, the UNC quarterback, who was making his first career start. And what do you know? West Virginia did just that. And you could tell, man, in the second half, they put the clamps down on that guy. He, he showed some flashes at times in the first half, but the second half, West Virginia pitches a shutout, and it all started with the guys up front getting great pressure. You took the words out of my mouth. I think it did start with the guys up front. Those first couple of drives for North Carolina, including their the drive where they entered the red zone, ended up throwing an interception. Harrell was making plays with his feet. Mm -hmm. And on their first drive, they mm -hmm. converted a couple third and longs. Next drive, they converted a fourth down after another couple third downs. Second half, Harrell couldn't get out of that pocket easier. We saw good contain from both the linebackers and defensive ends. Um, for a position group that has a lot of uncertainty going forward, the defensive line, I don't know if they answered a lot of questions or initiated them, 
but they certainly showed that there's some sort of foundation to build off of going forward. Right, and remember that one of the biggest opt-outs for the bowl game was on the defensive line for West Virginia in Mike Lockhart, a player who has already entered the transfer portal and did not play for West Virginia. But again, a really terrific performance by the defensive line and the linebackers, Lee Koba, putting in a yeoman's performance at linebacker, leading the team in tackles. And you mentioned that pick in the end zone. That was an important moment in the game, too. It seemed like UNC was really knocking on the door there in the first half, was going to get points one way or another, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown. Aubrey Burks comes up with a great pick on an overthrow. Uh, Sometimes this season we've seen guys not make that play, right? We've seen breadbasket, surefire interceptions fall to the turf. Didn't happen there, and that ended up being a, a critical moment as well. And then the third phase, special teams. Man, a lot of stuff went right for WVU in that phase of the game. Beanie Bishop, punt return TD, said after the game he had never returned a punt in a collegiate game before. His first collegiate punt return goes to the crib. I mean, you could not write it up better than that for a guy who was just named a consensus All-American. That was another huge moment in the game. Yeah, talk about uh, in a bowl game scenario where you have some your typical starters sitting down, replacements showing out. You just mentioned how Mike Lockhart's no longer in the picture. Fatorma Mulba starts in his place, gets a half tackle for a loss. Beanie Bishop talks about how all week when it became more apparent that Preston Fox, the typical punt returner, one of the Big 12's best, wasn't going to play in this bowl game. He was out there on the practice field helping him with the jugs machine catch punts. So, I mean, there's some flawless step in execution there. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, his punt return, like the opening touchdown, kind of the sparks for them. And then while the rest of the game went on, it was the defense that kind of kept that tone set. Yeah, the big-time plays on special teams came in the first half. The Bishop punt return touchdown made it 14-3 at the time. And then there was also a fumble recovery early in the second quarter on an Oliver Straw punt. It was kind of just a weird play. Airborne ball takes a nosedive and just nails uh, a UNC blocker on the return team. West Virginia pounces on the ball. Don't think anything came of it, but still an impactful play nonetheless because West Virginia got an extra possession out of it. Uh, and then we have to mention the fake field goal. Yeah. Leighton Bechtel, come on, man. I, it ended up being somewhat insignificant because West Virginia ended up kicking just a shorter field goal a few plays later. Didn't get seven points out of it. But, dude, he was so close. <laughs> he was so close to housing that thing. And I think everybody who was watching that game, even neutral fans, are like, go, man, get in there. Get in there. Right. When you have one of those, I mean, luckily enough for West Virginia, this game was starting to get out of reach at that point. So I think most people, they're going to remember the fake punt, not necessarily that there was only three points after it and not seven. But <laughs> right. anytime you can get special teams in the spotlight, you, you want to do that. And I mean, it's been a while, I think, right? When was the last time they'd run a fake? Last time that they had run a successful fake, I believe was last season. I forget which game it was. They were due for one. Uh, but, but you know, there have been a few moments, like I remember the Josh Groudon play in 2019. He throws a pass on a fake punt. Uh, but, I mean, they ended up getting crushed in that game, right? So, so maybe they're good for, like, one a season, and this was their moment there. Right. And, and what was super interesting is that Ryan Decker, another shameless plug here, uh, wrote a story at GoldenBlueNation.com the morning of the bowl game,
basically saying, you know, expect the unexpected. He kind of predicted that this was coming because Coach Brown had sort of alluded to a few things earlier in the week. You know, maybe UNC was going to try to come up with a trick play somewhere along the line, maybe on special teams with so many guys absent from the bowl game. It turned out to be West Virginia that was able to pull off the trick play with Leighton Bechtel uh, going almost. I mean, he was probably, what, inside the 10 or 15-yard line, almost took it to the house. Uh, The Internet would have gone absolutely nuts if we got a fake field goal touchdown and a Mayo bath in the same night in the same bowl game, but it just wasn't to be. Uh, By the way, we've got wall-to-wall bowl coverage at GoldenBlueNation.com and on the free Golden Blue Nation app. If you don't have our app, Download it today via the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Join thousands of other users across the globe to read terrific crystal ball reporting from Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern. Uh, Kevin, game ball. Let's not, let's not give Garrett Green a game ball because he got a very shiny Duke's Mayo Bowl MVP trophy. Give me your game ball for your Duke's Mayo Bowl MVP for West Virginia. Mine's one who's at the top of his uh, respective category on the stat sheet, um, but might get lost in a little bit in translation because he didn't get in the end zone. That's Hudson Clement. Five receptions, 89 yards. We talked about the turning point before the half, getting some extra points. All three of the receptions that set WVU up in field goal range came from Garrett Green to Hudson Clement. The guy shows up in the clutch, and the guy shows up in the last two minutes of the game. I, don't, I know it's tough to bring up, but if you want to think back to the Houston game, there was a time where a lot of people had thought that he had just scored the game-winning touchdown, a terrific catch-and-run, broken tackles with just seconds on the clock. Obviously, something's happened. We won't mention it. That didn't end up happening. But there are a lot of young receivers for the West Virginia football team. There are a lot of talented young receivers for the West Virginia football team. But Hudson Clement is showing that he can produce, produce in volume when he needs to, and he can do it in a hurry. He's got a versatile skill set, route runner. He can go the deep ball. He can get yards after catch. He showed that today. Just another one of many offensive foundation pieces that Neil Brown's going to have going forward. It's a great one, Kevin. Game ball to Hudson Clement. Huddy tutty season coded language it wasn't meant to be but yeah you know um, huddy tuddy season is definitely popping off that's all that's all we'll say about that uh okay for me it's a toss-up between two guys it's either lee Koba, who was just really solid uh, led the team in tackles think he had a dozen but i'm going to give the nod to beanie bishop on one hand i think you could look at beanie's performance and say he did get beat a couple of times and maybe this was a game where beanie needed to continue to prove that he is a draft-worthy player, right? But he did things in other areas other than coverage that really made an impact on the game. He had eight total tackles and, of course, that punt return, which ends up being the game-winning points because UNC was held to 10 on the night. Uh, I mean, he's impressive, man. He, he has had a tremendous season. Uh, whether he gets drafted or not, you got to think he's getting a shot somewhere on somebody's NFL roster next season just because of how well he has played this year. Uh, I know that you might say, hey, he's undersized. Hey, he hasn't always been perfect. But, dude, the guy's been doubted throughout his entire career and came to West Virginia and became a consensus All-American and maybe is now the blueprint for guys in the portal moving forward uh, on Neil Brown's roster. So super excited uh, for him to, to have a performance, a send-off performance like this. It was kind of fitting for him to end his career uh, with, a, with a night like this in Charlotte. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, but after, after the break, we'll listen to head coach Neil Brown's post-game thoughts. That's next on the GBN pod. 
Despite the ill-fated efforts of President Biden and his wealthy New York friends, West Virginia coal is thriving and being shipped to 45 countries worldwide. Given its high quality and clean burning properties, countries across the globe are demanding and consuming it. And in-state production continues to grow. With billions of dollars of recent investment in West Virginia mining operations, combined with the reliability of our coal-fired electric manufacturing facilities, West Virginia coal is here to stay. No other fuel in the world matches West Virginia coal for base load generation and steel making. Like a good friend, it's always been and always will be there, keeping the lights on and contributing greatly to our growing economy. In fact, coal continues to sustain 50,000 plus West Virginia jobs, putting food on the table for Mountain State families. Visit friendsofcoal.org to learn more. A message from the Friends of Coal. West Virginia victorious in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, a 30-10 win against North Carolina in North Carolina. It's the first bowl win for the Mountaineers since the 2020 Liberty Bowl. So let's go to the podium now for thoughts from head coach Neil Brown following his second bowl win in five seasons at WVU and his first Mayo Bath. West Virginia showed up, you know, and I thought we had a great crowd. They were into it. Um, the, the music selection was right on point for our guys, <laughs> for our people. And, uh, and so they had a good time with that. And then they all stayed. And so I was glad that a national TV audience got to see how, how Mountaineer Nation really supports our team. And, and they love football. Garrett did a good job saying that. They do. They love football. It's important to them. And uh, I'm glad they were able to experience a bowl win, too. And uh, I'm sure we'll sell some beer tonight in Charlotte. So uh, uh, everybody will be winning on that. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's special about college football is you have an opportunity to win your last game. And um, these bowl games, uh, I, I think they're, they're meaningful. They, they draw a ton of people to watch on TV. Uh, they're a good uh, celebration at the end of the year. It's a good reward. And uh, and they mean something. This is this is a, this means something to those twelve guys that played their last game for us. And this is going to be a catapult for us. You know, I really feel like we should end the season in the top twenty-five. I think we've earned that right. Um, I've got a vote, and I'll vote us in. And then I think as we go into the twenty-four season, I think we're a team that'll be preseason in the top twenty-five. We return a lot, and uh, I'm excited about that. But. The feeling in the locker room when you're able to hoist a trophy and, and, and be able to win your last game, that, that's meaningful, and we're very appreciative of that. You know, this was, a, this was not our typical game, you know, but we found a way to win. This, wasn't, this isn't the way we've won all year. We really won, won all year running the football, being heavy time of possession, uh, minimizing the other team's plays, um, and that wasn't how we won today. Um, you know, we uh, defensively, first of all, I thought we played extremely physical which is hard to do in a bowl game, but I thought our guys played really physical. You know, we had seven sacks, 11 TFLs, four quarterback hurries, two interceptions. Um, and so just fired up for our guys defensively. And then on special teams, made a huge difference. Um, fake field goal, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, we really swung the field a couple times with our punt unit. Um, and, and we got guys down on kickoff. So, you know, won the special teams battle soundly. And then offensively, not our best. You know, penalties uncharacteristic. Um, disappointed we didn't take advantage of turnovers. That's something we've really prided ourselves on this year. We didn't do that today. Um, but at the end, we found a way. You know, Garrett Green's get gritty. He gives you a chance. Um, they did a nice job playing the run. You know, and Garrett talked about 25. He's really good. I think 23 is really good. Um, and and they, they did some nice things with the line of scrimmage. Uh, but we found a way there in the second half to get some run game going. And, 
And then uh, our young receivers made some plays. So with that, I'll take questions. So, Coach, I mean, just big picture, nine wins, finish the season strong. What's that mean? Not just to you, but the program overall. Yeah, I think it's significant. You know, when you look at the history and – and we've talked about this. You look at the history, this is really the third time since joining the Big 12. We won 10 um, and one other time and, and won, a, won nine another time. And so nine wins. And, and knowing that we really played, um, we had a chance to win 11 out of, you know, I guess 12 out of our 13 or 11 out of our 13. We were competitive in the Penn State game late. Uh, didn't play very well against Oklahoma. That was really the only non-competitive game we had. Um, led two games late in the fourth quarter that we'd love to have back. Where would we be if we could finish in the fourth quarter against Houston and, and Oklahoma State? But I think this was a significant step for us. Um, we've got to continue to hold our roster together. You know, the next you know week, 10 days is big. Um, there's no more taking off and going to the beach and relaxing for, for some time. That's, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but we got to hold on to roster. But I think it really speaks well to what we, what we, what we can be and, and potentially could be in 24. Coach uh, Steve Reed from the Associated Press. Curious, what is it? What is the satisfaction level of going from being picked 14th in your conference to finishing the season with a bucket of mayonnaise dumped on your head and winning the whole game? Yeah, bucket of mayonnaise. I would not. Uh, I would not recommend that to anybody. But uh, no, I, you know, I, I thought that. I, I really thought the the 14th being picked 14th in our league was. Um, I, I just thought it was not very good reporting. You know, and we returned the most. We returned the most starts of anybody, or I think the most starts of anybody in our league on our offensive line. Um, we had a really good running backs coming back. You know, we had some pieces defensively up front. Um, so never did I th did I think that that's where we were. And I, I was pretty pretty um, at our at our media days in Dallas. You know, I said that. You know, we weren't. That's not what we were going to be. And um, I liked our team. We've got a good mix of, of youth that's really hungry and some leaders that have experience and they got something about them. And I think any time that your, your, your D-line and your O-line are, are, your, are your two best groups, I think you got a chance to win. How much did Zach's absence affect your game plan, what you thought you could do today? And then second, when did the idea for, hey, going to take a shot deep on the first play come about? Well, we – We've done that a good bit, throwing the ball down the field on the first play. Some of them hit. Sometimes you got to check it down, but we like that. We try to come back to it again. Um, Garrett missed him, missed Traylon. Traylon could have had, you know, Traylon could have held it up, held up that trophy if we'd have, if we'd have thrown the ball a little better to him. Um, you know, we still, I mean, we ran the ball for 5.8 yards. You know, we had 164 yards. I don't know how many games in a row we ran for 140 plus. And so I think that speaks well to us because the expectations now are of that we, we we need to be dominant up front. Um, and really what I thought it was is we were rusty. You know, I thought that uh, Jaheim was finally Jaheim on that last run for the touchdown. He really stuck his foot in the ground, got vertical. Um, he's been kind of slowed by, by growing, so he didn't get to practice as much this week as he normally would. Um, we miss C.J., you know, he's kind of our grinded-out guy. We missed him. And then Zach. I, I really feel like Zach's the best center in the country, you know, and, and really disappointed he wasn't up for the Remington. You know, I, I'd put his film against anybody's. And, uh, but we missed him. You don't take that caliber player out of the lineup and not going to miss him. But, you know, I still think that, that our guys did a pretty good job. Almost running for six yards of carries, pretty good day. I know you talked earlier this year about how you were in favor of using the communication system in the helmet. I obviously got to use that today. Thoughts on it, how'd it go, yeah. and 
you know, obviously, is that something you want to see moving forward? Yeah, I think it's it's a positive movement. It, it helps. It it I think it it lowers your ability to steal signals and some of those things that that really don't have a purpose in the game. Um, you know, we this was experimental. You know, I forgot about it uh, for like the, the the second series of the game, and I'm like, oh, I I, I can talk to him. And so like, but I, um, we we used the iPads a little bit today, and we used the, but we didn't like just wholesale because we were we were we were playing pretty good going into the game. I think we won. Did we won our five of our last six? I think. Um, but you know, net counting this game, but so we didn't want to just wholesale uh, and. As y'all know, there's a lot going on in December. You know, like there's a lot going on, so it's not like we had a whole lot of time to get trained and like really think about how we were going to handle the technology. Um, but I like it. I think it's a positive step for college football. We just got to figure out what the rules are going to be. Yeah, Neil, you, you talked so much about the excitement coming in. How excited do you think the guys were, and how much of a factor did the crowd play in that? Oh, the crowd was was a huge factor. You know, they felt that in warmups. You really felt it coming into the city yesterday. You know, when, when our crowd started really showing up, um, there's no doubt. And, and here's the thing, too. we Our record's been pretty good. We laid an egg out in Arizona and, and just didn't play very well. But our record's been pretty good in these bowl games. And I think the reason is is because how we handle the preparation is we get our work done, all right, but we don't we don't overwork them. It's not – we don't, we don't uh, have just a ton of contact. And we space out our practices at a pretty good rate. And uh, we don't treat them like regular season. You know, it's uh, it's meant to be fun. We're pretty basic in our schemes, so our timing should be okay. Um, and and I thought, and we give our guys some good downtime. We gave them some downtime here, um, kind of work time, play time. And when it was work, they got work in. And but they were excited about being here. And and there's no question that the crowd played into that as well. Neil, number one, when did you know? Preston was, was definitely not going to go and that Beanie was going to be in that role. And how did he help Beanie? Because Beanie talked about him kind of helping him mm-hmm. in the return game. And then just any comments from you on Beanie one year in? I mean, talk about a lone season as a Mountaineer. It doesn't really get much better because then this All-American plays in the bowl game when many others probably would not. And then first punt return for WVU since Taylor Austin in 2012. Yeah. So we made the decision – uh, really the week after Baylor that Preston wasn't going to return punts, okay? Um, and his injury, um, we didn't know he wasn't going to play really until the day uh, – or my days are mixed up. So Friday when we started our game week, um, he had a scan and they showed it that his injury hasn't healed enough. Uh, so we were hopeful he was going to play some at wideout, but we knew starting on Friday. But we made the decision then just because he was exposed on punt return. And so we weren't going to do that in the bowl game. And so Beanie got a ton of work, and then Rodney was going to back him up in this game. And so they did. And, uh, and Preston was a big help. You know, we, we catch punts at the beginning of practice and after practice every single day. And Preston stood out there with him. And, um, and we blocked real well on that on that on that too. Um, and then Beanie, you know, I think his performance kind of speaks for itself. He, uh, you know, 13th consensus, All-American. Um, he was getting close to breaking the, the PBU. I don't know if he broke the school record today or not, but he was getting close to doing that. And, and I, y'all have heard me say this. Our local people have heard me say this. Is not only was he a great player on the field, which he showed today, he was great for our locker room, and he really helped some of our young DBs, which I appreciate. Last question. Back to 
DHS in Charleston. What were the emotions like after you have a victory with the hugs, the thank yous, with the seniors that stayed through, the guys that came in? What, can you talk about the emotions? Because we see the box score, we see everything, but those guys with you through practice, through everything, what were the emotions like here at the end? Yeah, I, I think that's what I spoke on this a little bit early, early on is that's what's great about the bowl season because you can finish – as a champion, you know, and, and that locker room feels really good about themselves and what they were able to accomplish. And and, and I think the, the other neat thing, too, is being able to experience that with your family. Like my wife, my kids were down there, my mom and dad and my wife's mom and dad were out on the field. We had a lot of family here. Um, and so those moments are always special. And we've got a we've got a, a family photo at every single one of our bowl wins. And um, and those are those are really those are special. And uh, I think this was five. And so we got them down in, in our basement and those something. Those are memories that we cherish. And the other thing, too, is your kids go through so much in this business. And uh, our last year, you know, what wasn't wasn't real kind to them. And so for them to go and be able to experience the highs that you experience after winning a bowl game is special. And then our players, you know, the work they put in and, and, and what they went through during the year, and to be able to come and have a reward to come to a great place like Charlotte, have a good time, and, and then experience the win, it makes it special for sure. That's Neil Brown speaking after West Virginia's win in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. The head coach now 2-1 and one in postseason games is the head coach of the Mountaineers 5-1 and one all time in bowl games. Nick Farrell and Kevin Redfern here to put a bow on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast and the 2023 West Virginia football season. Kevin, Mountaineers, nine wins, most by a WVU team since the Mountaineers won 10 under Dana Holgerson in 2016, only won eight in 2018, went eight and four that year, but West Virginia had a game against NC State canceled due to a hurricane. It seems like the appreciation for this program has steadily grown over the course of this season. Look back just a year ago at this time, I think a lot of fans wanted Neil Brown to be fired or at least maybe thought that his job was in jeopardy. Coach Brown even alluded to that fact and how difficult this last year has been in his postgame press conference. Uh, I think at this moment here, as we record this po podcast about an hour after the conclusion of the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, there is some legitimate, legitimate optimism about 2024 for the Mountaineer football squad. Oh, 100%. I mean, the goal as of recent in the Neil Brown era has been to compete for a Big 12 championship. And next year, landscape shifting, two powerhouses gone, it is a wide open conference, and West Virginia is entering the 2024 season with one of the strongest foundations of returning players in the conference. Just by looking at those things without projecting growth, without projecting development, they're immediately a top half team in the Big 12. Mm. Anything you do on top of that is the cherry on top. That's the gravy. Um, Neil said that there really isn't a lot of resting that comes after a bowl game. It's straight back to work, player retention, roster expansion. And those are going to be huge for them if they want to get over that hump. But like I just said, there might not be a stronger foundation in the Big 12 than the West Virginia Mountaineers. It's probably too early to make predictions for 2024 because there's still a lot of work that has to be done in recruiting the portal and retaining the current roster, right? It shouldn't shock anybody if more guys enter the portal after this bowl game. But no matter what happens, next season is probably going to feel at least a little bit like a clean slate, right? Mm -hmm. Not only does West Virginia have the foundation, more changes coming to the Big 12. Oklahoma and Texas are gone. Four more new teams are coming in. There's going to be a real power grab 
in the Big 12 Conference. And at this moment in time, I'm right there with you, Kevin. It feels like the Mountaineers are in a great spot, and they might just be able to jump the ladder in 2024 when that power grab happens in the Big 12. We've got a lot of time between now and then. It's going to be a fun offseason as we hope to have a really, really fun 2024 football season to look forward to. That'll do it for this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. If you aren't subscribed, please consider it so you can catch future episodes of our show. If you are subscribed, consider sharing the show with a fellow Mountaineer fan or leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Reviews help other fans find this show on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. Uh, and we do have a ton of fun on this show. If this is your first time listening to it, you can catch it at goldenbluenation.com and on the free Golden Blue Nation app. We've cr- quite literally grown so much over the last two years since launching this podcast, have listeners all over the world. If you're one of those, we super duper appreciate it. That's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. For Kevin Redfern, I'm Nick Farrell signing off. We wish you all the best in 2024, and we'll talk to you next time on the Golden Blue Nation podcast.